Tommy, you got the sticky notes open yet? Okay, we're good. We're good to go. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being a little, uh, pa- I'm being passive aggressive. Not a little, let's just call it. I'm being passive aggressive. Oh, that's that's awesome. I love it. It's so okay. Great. Tommy and Tom, Tommy's Tommy's one of my safe people, so I feel like there's a lot of authenticity there. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. All right. Here we go. Hello and welcome to Permission to Be. I'm your host Becca Epley, joined today by my good friend and co-host Tommy Allgood. Permission to Be exists to be a space of hope for those journeying to find their true, authentic selves. We hope that the story shared here will inspire you on your own journey and help you unlock the permission to be who you have always truly been. Hello and welcome to Permission to Be. Tonight I am so excited. We have a couple of special treats for you. Not only do we have a guest co-host, my good friend Tommy Allgood, but our guest tonight is the church witch, Lauren Wild. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Hi, I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are in for a huge treat. And now that you've made it 30 seconds into this podcast and not completely <laughs> freaked out because the title of the podcast is The Church Witch, I want you to hang with us. Also yes. want to give you a heads up that um, if you've got children in the room, um, you might want to put some earphones in because we will be talking with adult language, not scary just adult language earmuffs earmuffs (laughs) so lauren let's just jump off because as i was putting my children to bed this evening and somebody happened to mention to them that i was going to be speaking to a witch on the podcast tonight and i immediately got huge eyes both of them and they were very concerned and they were wondering if i was going to be okay and they also wanted to know what you looked like i actually had to pull up your facebook page and say look she's a real person and look she has kids just like you and so (laughs) for um those of us and i was there six months ago so i'm not gonna Um, act like I've got all my shit together here. But can you give us a little bit of a definition of what not the media, patriarchal evangelicalism has painted, but what a quote unquote witch is? Well, yeah, let's just fucking jump right in, right? Okay. (laughs) All right, let's get to the meat of it. You know, I like I was in the church for 10 years, which I know Mm -hmm. we'll go into that and all of that. You know, like I came in as a late convert. I actually evangelicalized my parents. Mm. And so like when I started going through my dark night of the soul and started going through my initiation process um, in 2015. I'm going to pause you real quick. Can you tell everybody what dark night of the soul oh. is? Because that's a new terminology that people may not understand. Yeah, yeah, I think. yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many amazing books out there. You know, Brian McLaren, when he wrote The Great Spiritual Migration, that was a huge support to me. Mm. And essentially, like what I would... The way that he characterized it that opened my eyes was he said that basically he fell through the cracks of his own faith. And like, that's what happened to me. Everything was fine until it wasn't. Mm. I was on track to be like the pastor. I was teaching and healing in various ways. Um, 
within the evangelical structure, I led worship. Not, I was not a singer, but just like, gotcha. um, I was like a leader of a deliverance ministry. Mm. I've always had the gifts that I've had, which I, I'm sure we can talk about those yeah. too. But you know, like I've, I've just always been who I am and I've always been rebellious and I came into Christianity really late. So when I experienced Christianity in the way that it was presented to me, I've always been rebellious Mm. against it. Like I was always on the far fringes of like what I could get away with. I remember like one of the first books that I read was Battlefield of the Mind, Joyce Meyer, (laughs) super charismatic, which if you really broke down like hedge of protection of the blood of Jesus. It's fucking witchcraft. I mean, it's all ritual embodied spirituality, which is witchcraft, you know? And so I I can go on and on and on and on. That's why I'm writing a book. But like the, the whole point is that, you know, I was always on the fringes and I was always pushing. I could never understand why um, homosexuals could not be allowed. Like I was always, Mm. always challenging, Mm. always challenging, always. Right. So when I first, like got into yoga, you know, the the pathway to hell, the gateway drug. <laughs> I I know it's fucking funny, but it's serious. Like it's a real thing. Like Oh no, no, my parents would say that. My parents would definitely say that yoga is, is a gateway drug. Oh, really? Yeah. I was no, I thought that was marijuana, but Oh, cuz you're <laughs> that one too. That one too. <laughs> Gonna be silent now to protect one. the innocent and guilty. <laughs> like, don't take me down plant medicine path unless you guys really want to like lose your mind. Um, but essentially, I've always been who I am, and like I've always been a witch. And so coming back to your original question, like, right, this big roundabout, I literally talk about this shit all day long. So I always have to start in the beginning, especially when I'm talking to Christians, because so many are so afraid, you know, like you really, it's, it totally makes sense. So like any listener that's listening, like, I have no offense against you. I have no judgment against you because honestly, it has been so deeply built within the evangelical Mm -hmm. psyche to be so like allergic to this concept that like, if you've made it this far, fucking congratulations, mm-hmm. right? Like you might be a witch. <laughs> if. No, I'm just kidding, <laughs> but maybe, maybe. Um, <laughs> so essentially like when I started getting into these modalities, right? Um, it really started for me on like a very Christian principle, which was I was dealing with postpartum depression, which I now know is a large part of my um, dark night of the soul. And so that dark night of the soul is like when you feel radio silence, like you feel like you don't know where you are. Everything feels bleak. You can have many of them in your life, but this one was like the first big one I'd had in Christianity. Right. So I didn't know what to do with it. And as an intuitive, like I've always been spirit led. I felt broken. Mm. I felt betrayed by God. I felt like, like, and as, and what happened, and this is like that spiritual trauma culture is like what we're taught, which was like, okay, God's not listening to me. I'm not getting up early enough to pray. I'm not fasting enough. I'm not, you know, I'm not strict enough on myself. I I better like, you know, button shut up, right? Like that old mindset. And I was already dealing with postpartum depression and I had just had my third child in four and a half years. And so like, essentially, like, I was like, deprived, like I was dying, like I really was like, I was in this dying process. And I, back in the day, I used to work for AmeriCorps. And I I led at risk use out into the woods and taught them survival skills and stuff. And I was like, I just looked at Eric, my husband, and I was like, 
I got to go to the woods. Mm. I don't know what, like I need to go fast and I need to go be mm. in the woods. And so I now know, like after studying like, so like Bill Plotkin's soul craft is like, I went on a vision mm. quest. It was very intuitive. But when I was out there, like everything in me shifted and I knew that I needed to start pursuing a different path mm. of spirituality. I didn't even know what that looked like, but I did like leave with a word in my mind that I'd never really heard of before. And it was Reiki. <sighs> Like I had to Google wow. Reiki and I, I remember my hands turning like blazing hot and I remember Reiki. And then I remember coming back and telling my friends at church about my experience and them telling me that like, that was the devil's work. Right. And so I put it off for about six months, but it never left my mind. Like it was like calling me. It was like this thread yeah. was like calling me. And then in 2016, the intensity of my deconstruction of like, I lost my faith. Like nothing made sense anymore. And I just couldn't like put the pieces together mm. anymore. I took my level one Reiki. I got my level one Reiki attunement. And it like literally from there was just like one, one mm. thing after another, one thing after another was like, I just, I woke up, you know? So then from like 2016 until like 2017, I was battling, you know, I was deeply battling, like losing my faith because I knew I was going to lose my community. I was struggling with my husband at that time. Mm. Like he, he's totally a pre like he appreciates it all now. But like at that period of time, like it was really, really mm. dark. Like it was bad. You know, like things happened in my family that I was blamed for because I was opening a door to Satan. Um, and it's just like the level of like fuckery. I can't even like. I can't. And that's why I do the work yeah, that I do, yeah. right? Like, because I, I like can't handle like watching somebody experience yeah. what I experienced yeah. when I could just like open up my hand and be like, yeah, fuck that. Mm -hmm. Let's go. But so what happened is when all of that was happening, people started calling me a witch, right? So to like recircle back around to the yep. idea of witch. And I remember being deeply offended. Mm -hmm. Like I remember being like defensive against it and like, that's not what I am. And that's not this. And that's not that. And I fought it for a while, you know, like I got really into tarot, like tarot. I realized that tarot wasn't exactly what, you know, show like showbiz has shown us. Um, neither was astrology. And I started to realize like these amazing ways to get into the body mm. and the psyche. I saw it. I didn't see it as like this form of like fortune telling or divination. I just saw it as this amazing way to reflect what was going on in me and then start journaling about it and healing myself. And I was just like working with this thing, right? And I joined um, this collective that I'm in now, December of um, 2017. And I haven't left, you know, it's become my spiritual community. And it's a wild woman spirituality community. And so I learned astrology there. And I mean, the thing is, is like, I was yeah. made for this yeah. shit. Like, if you do believe in past lives, like probably like, I don't know, I don't know where you're going to land in that. But like, I believe in past mm -hmm. lives now. I didn't when I first came in. Um, and so I believe that this has been a lot of my path in many lives. And that's why I learned mm -hmm. it so quickly. But I mean, like whether that's real or not, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But in terms of like what a yeah. witch is, one of the biggest things that I tell people is that the witch is an archetype, mm -hmm. right? Like it's not, it's not a spirituality. Mm -hmm. It's an archetype of energy of a kind of person. And so just for any like beginner listener in terms of archetypes, the main way that I explain an archetype is it is a symbol that you can assign to something that has many words and many different connotations and many different things, many different energies mm -hmm. of it. But like when I say the word, 
you get an idea, mm-hmm. right? And so part of the reason that I chose to go with witch instead of mystic or mm-hmm. shaman or whatever, like, because I, I do function in those modalities, um, is because I wanted to heal the witch wound. Because I believe that what a witch really is, is a human, right? Mm-hmm. Male, female, regardless, whatever you choose or you assigned as, it doesn't really, like a mm-hmm. witch is a witch and a witch is a person that doesn't fucking owe you an explanation, but follows their Mm -hmm. path regardless, right? Like, it's like, I'm not going to explain myself to you. I trust my intuition. I trust my path. And I'm not going to let you tell me what I'm going to believe. That is the essence of Mm -hmm. a witch, right? And like the outskirts of that energy is a healer. A witch is a person that doesn't care, you know, what social media says or what society says. They're going to do what's right. And that is why, you know, witches and shamans and the elders like that were always pushed to the outskirts of town because they weren't like everybody else, right? They were different and they followed their own, their own thing, their own path. So like when people ask me, like, what does it mean to be a witch and why is witch resurging and things like that? I think such a large part of it is because of, you know, um, the divine feminine energy rising and women wanting to take their power back, right? Because the witch is sovereign. She is like, I am who I am. I'm interdependent in myself. I connect to spirit, whatever that looks like. You're not going to tell me who I am. I am powerful. I love myself. I'm not going to base my value on what you think of me. So like when I say that I'm a witch, everybody has these wrong ideas of the archetype that I'm talking about because it's been created by size, gender, white colonizers for Mm -hmm. fucking ever, right? It's like, oh, you can heal people and you're not going to follow my religion. Mm -hmm. You're a witch. Let's Mm -hmm. burn her, right? Like, And so there is an archetype called the witch wound. And it is for those that chose to not have to go along with everything that you know, they were told to do, but chose to follow their own path regardless and like Mm -hmm. be true to themselves. Um, And so like, that's what Mm -hmm. I'm aligned with, you know, like my main like title, if I was going to label myself outside of which would be like a spiritual alchemist, you know, like I work very much in the esoteric world and, you know, like there's an esoteric witch or a psyche witch. And that's like kind of where I would fall in. Um, But in terms of like the idea of witch really and truly It's not a spiritual, like, it's not a religion. Like, paganism Mm. is a religion path. Wiccanism Uh is a religious path. Christianity, like, Judaism, these are, like, religious paths. But being a witch is, like, saying uh, you're a doctor, right? Like, it doesn't doesn't Mm -hmm. determine, like, what you believe or you don't. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes complete sense. Mm. That's really beautiful. Um, I really love the part, especially when you were talking about how a witch is sort of like a, a shaman or this healer and that they're they're typically found on the outskirts and it just bought to my mind this imagery of jesus and I, I think i saw on your website i was doing a little bit of research um just in preparation that you had you made a joke about jesus being a witch but in in true fashion right mm-hmm. jesus was this person who started his ministry out on the margins and so this notion that witches are out in the margins, like how much more in alignment with this divine figure that we call Jesus mm. can, can you get who he was always with the poor, the powerless, the, and, and Jesus himself was this healer mm-hmm. figure. Amen. Absolutely. 
Yeah, like it is a it's a weird world to be in um, when you fall in the category of what you would call a Christo pagan mm-hmm. or a Christian witch. There's not a lot of like. Well, I shouldn't say that. That's that's pretty general for me to say. But not every person that de- like identifies themselves as a witch or a pagan is mm. open to the idea of a Christian witch because mm. they've been so wounded by the church, mm. right? So like I get a very – and I chose the name the church witch to basically like be a yeah. paradox and catalyze things. <laughs> I know I'm a walking trigger. Like, I, like luckily, luckily I know how to hold space enough, you know, for like a person – uh, to to like you know cue them mm-hmm. up and then hold them in that space to move them through the other side right like that's caring that's compassionate that's a shadow mm-hmm. worker you know like that's that's what I'm dedicated to I can't do it for everyone but for my people like I I'm committed to that but you know the the big thing is like when people say those things to me it's always so interesting because like the pagan community is very hurt and then the Christian mm-hmm. community is yeah. like what the fuck. You know, and so like I find myself walking worlds, which is what you would call a hedge witch or a shaman, right? And so I walk between two worlds that aren't always like the most understanding mm-hmm. or compassionate to one another. And it's not the easiest path. Like there are so many times that I feel like Jesus, which is like I don't have anywhere to lay my head to rest most times. Like most people are like, oh, I open the door and yeah. I close the door and I have to, you know, shake yeah. the dust off my feet. And it is what it is. Like it, it is what it is. But I know that when Jesus was here, based on the understanding that I have and the perception that I choose to have, is that Jesus was here for the least of these. You yeah. know, like yes. yes. I I just love the idea of like Jesus sitting with like the prostitutes and the tax collectors, like with his feet up on the table and like his hands behind his neck, like drinking wine. And then the Pharisees. <laughs> which we all know the Pharisees, right? You know, mm. asking him, like, what are you doing? And he's like, I didn't come here for the healthy. I came here for the sick. It is what it is. I know, it man. Like, that's what, what that's what I'm here for. Like, get me out there. You know, get me out there. So anyways, I'll stop yapping. Um, no, no, no. I want to hear more about, um, and because this is also a new journey for me in the last six months of actually being willing to walk yeah, through yeah. my own trigger. I think it really is more mm-hmm. trigger of terminology um, than it is trigger of reality. But I, yeah, I want to go back to something you said um, just a minute ago um, about the pagan community yeah. being really hurt. And like, what does yeah, that so, mean? Well, first of all, there's like, I mean, there's literally books on it. You know, my teacher is Danielle Dolsky. She wrote The Holy Wild. You know, she grew up in a Christian home that really wounded her and eventually turned to witchcraft and lost her whole family over it. And she writes about it in her book, The Holy Wild. And so she doesn't talk about Christianity, but she has been such an epic, like epic person to help me navigate um, what deconstruction can look Mm -hmm. like without a Christian lens and how to get it into the body and how to bring it into ritual and like heal it in an embodied way. Right. So like within the pagan community, number one, I mean, witches were burned by predominantly like white Christian within some range of Christianity men, you know, and exactly. And, um, you know, like almost every pagan holiday we have like Ostara, uh, is Easter. And, you know, when Constantinople was like, oh, we now have Christianity. Basically, 
what he did was take all the pagan holidays and just fucking try to mask it with Christianity. You know, like so many of these, like Christmas, oh my gosh, like the pine trees is so pagan. Like it's so pagan. It's so funny. And the thing is, is like, it's beautiful because what it is, um, is it's an embodied ritual of worship. The thing is, is like, if we could shift the mind um, to realize that like, this is an embodiment, we could find a way to get along. And that's what happened to me, right? I had this like massive epiphany, which I'm writing about in my book. And it's like, for me within Christianity, I struggled a lot with being this mystic that when I was told that, you know, we're just trying to get to Jesus, you know, get me to Jesus, take me to Jesus, you know, like take me home. Like I was so disembodied and detached from my world here. I so fully became this person of service that I wasn't here for my children. I wasn't here for my husband. I was like, I have to go out and save souls. And like, I mean, look at me as a witch. You can imagine what I was like as a Christian, like fucking zealot, you know, sorry to everyone that knew me during that decade. (laughs) So many apologies. I like tell people all the time. I'm like, I think that there needs to be like a 12 steps of recovery for like recovering Christians, like where you got to go and like apologize. And like I did. I That's what I did. I followed uh, the 12 yes. step program oh and I gosh. went to all my friends that were gay and I apologized. Like, I mean, I took responsibility and tried to like heal those things. Some things were healed, some weren't. But regardless, mm. like, you know, paganism and Christianity are actually incredibly similar. Um, they come from the same roots you know, and literally roots, the earth, like we are made of earth, we're made of stardust and dirt. And literally, that is the intersection Mm -hmm. of sky and earth. And so for me, when I realized, like, the more that I started to understand, Mm -hmm. like all of these different deities and these different aspects of like the same God, just a different perspective, a different lens, I realized so many of these Mm -hmm. masculine faiths, Um, you know, like the Abrahamic faiths are very patriarchal. However, in my opinion, I think Jesus was very feminine, very, very, very like Holy spirit driven, divine feminine Sophia, right? Like that is, that's that like wave, you know, that ether energy, Mm -hmm. which is, um, that's Mm -hmm. the Shekinah or Sophia. That's the feminine face of God. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like, I had this moment where I realized like paganism healed me in so many ways. Because I could be in my body and still feel connected. And I realized like I was worshiping the sky God Mm -hmm. for so long. And everything that I have experienced in Christianity and so many deconstruction circles even is that it's all in the head. It's this highly like crown chakra, air element, like in the head, trying to process, trying to rationalize. And the thing is, is like we are more than just our minds. As a matter of fact, our minds can Mm -hmm. lie to us, right? Like. The body doesn't lie to us. The heart doesn't lie to us. The gut doesn't lie to us. The mind can actually play tricks and lie to us. And so what I realized is that yoga and all of these different Eastern spiritualities were these beautiful modalities to help get all of what was going on, the chitta, like the the mind shit, down into my actual body so that I could feel and experience the love of God. Yeah. Right. Like I was always like seeking and seeking and like almost addicted to these like spiritual experiences, uh-huh. which I now uh-huh. know were like these blissed out states, you know, of of worship or whatever, ecstatic states where it's like when I learned how to actually move my 
holiness into my body, everything feels like a spiritual experience to me. Like it, it all makes sense to me. Um, and some days I feel more in my head than others. And some days I feel more in my body than others. But regardless, what happened for me is I learned how to create the intersection of sky and earth. Like I learned how to create this Gaia, this earth energy, you know, with the the sky God, which mm. is like that archetypal energy of like Zeus in the sky, which is that patriarchal, it's that masculine energy. And if you look at like Tantra, you know, and you look at like Buddhism and you, you look at the difference between these mm. paths yeah. um, or even within yoga spirituality, the Ida and the Pingala is like, we all have masculine and feminine energy within us. So like there is a masculine and feminine and feminine energy to God, right? And so it's like if we only serve one, like we're going to become imbalanced and that's what's happened that's is right. that we've lost our ability to be in our bodies. We've lost our ability to see something like a ritual like Easter eggs or trees or whatever it is which is taking the intention of something of gratitude or holiness and like crafting it into something physical as an act of worship right? Or an act of communion. And so like, I just think that they're all like so similar. If people could just get past their bullshit, yeah. own their fucking egos, own their fears and just sit with it. And it takes a while, right? Like I've been in this process for four years. So like I get where everybody's at. I really do. But I think that it just requires like a level of, of openness, yeah. right? Of like, yeah. what is that about? Just genuine curiosity you know, is, is an amazing, amazing tool. So in terms of like how pagans are, they're wounded because, you know, they've been persecuted by the people that stole all of their holidays and their religions and then told them that they couldn't and then burn them on a stake when they did, you know, like. Mm. It's really interesting going back to the embodiment piece. You know, I feel like there are a handful, maybe not even a handful of Bible verses that have been greatly taken out of context that have <laughs> demonized, quote unquote, demonized any part of acknowledging or receiving um, what our body is telling us. And we've taken a huge, a gr- we've taken our hands and put it on this big rope and like, you know, we won't let go because we're so afraid because that's the other part of it. And when I say we, I mean, those of us who like myself have grown up in an evangelical environment. And, you know, what we're really afraid of is fear. We're not afraid of a witch. And that's something that I've come to realize. What's scary is the fear itself. And we don't know how to, again, what you're talking about, it's in our head and our body's having a visceral reaction because our body responds to fear. And then we can't get past, we get fixated on the body's evil, the flesh, this is the flesh, the flesh is not good. And Uh, right, right. You're going to get me on a soapbox. And we become afraid. And I know for me, you were telling your story about your truth about postpartum depression. And for me, after I had my son and um, I had postpartum anxiety and which at that Mm. point they didn't have a name for it. They just called it postpartum depression, but I didn't think I had that. So basically one night I was done and having a a really bad night and I called my mom and love her to death. I do. But her response was, well, have you prayed about it? And my first thought was, 
fuck that. <laughs> like I haven't eaten or slept for 48 hours and I'm throwing up water because basically my body was shutting down with anxiety and I needed more than that. I, that was the beginning of a 12 year journey of discovering who I am, discovering how much I've lived in fear, discovering that even to this day, it's something I struggle. I'm afraid of my own power. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it has to do with, I have been an empath for so long and I've denied myself over and over again because this life is not about me. You know, it's about God. And and I do believe in the divine and I do believe that Jesus was a real human being. Now, further discussion on that is a whole different podcast. It has taken a long time and I'm 42. So 12 years does not complete a journey of the first 30 years. Mm-hmm. And embodiment has not brought me further away from the divine. Embodiment mm-hmm. has brought me more peace than I've ever experienced in my first 30 years of my life. And it actually mm. breaks my heart to see my family still live in fear when I know that there is so much peace and that the divine is part of that peace. And it's learning who I really am. We'd be grateful for who we really are. Mm. And, uh, We get so scared. I just, that's what truly breaks my heart about when people see the title witch and it's an immediate turnoff. You're not scared of what it is. You're scared of the word. You're scared of the messages that have been told to you for your entire life. And we're scared to be curious because then what if, what if it's true? Maybe which is a bad word to you. Maybe that's what you discover. Just like you said, Lauren, be curious. Oh, so good. Yeah, I would think that also like that the the fact of being curious, it, again, I just keep harping back onto these like deeply Christian principles. But when I think of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and, and the task that they were tasked with of naming the animals, discovering the earth around mm. them. So the notion that curiosity and asking questions time and time in the scriptures, we're, we're tasked to ask questions and to test the environments around us. And so like this notion of curiosity, stepping into those fears, those things that we want to reject from, for me, is just like this mm. deeply spiritual mm-hmm. uh, principle mm-hmm. and, and has carried me into this realm of mm. mysticism as well. You know, I just... I remember like, I don't remember what year it was. It was somewhere between 2016 to 2017. And I remember like crying. And I remember like, just wondering like, if I was going to go to hell, if like, I was going to take my kids to hell, like, you know, I sat with all of that. You know, I didn't just do this like, oh, I'm done. Like I fucking grieved. I'm still grieving. Like this process has been like a four year slow burn of who I was into who I am now. I'm not who I was. I have rebirthed Mm. and I've like literally paid the cost of like just about everything. And so like Mm. the thing is, is that I remember sitting and just like hearing and I know it was just this divine thing because like I wouldn't have thought it up, but it was like the God of the universe is big enough to hold the weight of your Mm. doubt for The God of the universe is big enough to hold that weight. Uh And like, if God is all knowing, omniscient, loves me, like just fucking loves me, right? Like I love my children. Then 
it, that doesn't mean there won't be consequences. Like I was okay with the consequences, yeah. but what I couldn't wrap my mind around was like how this big, huge God could basically become like this, you know, codependent, I need you to love me kind of thing. And don't leave me, don't cheat on me kind of thing. Mm, that didn't feel that. big enough for like the God of universe to love me unconditionally, right? That agape love that I was taught. Mm. It like, it just didn't line up mm-hmm. for me. And I was like, you know what? If the God of the universe is as big as I hear that it is, then it's going to hold me mm. and it will call me back. I have to trust that. And like, I went through a phase where I didn't believe in anything. It didn't last very long. I am a true mystic, mm-hmm. you know, like I have to believe, you know, I just, I had to, I had to get to that place. And in my opinion, it's like, that is what faith is about is the ultimate sacrifice. It is laying yourself on the line. It is laying your ego on the line. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. These human things that we are, what a gift, mm-hmm. like what a fucking gift mm-hmm. to have a vessel that holds our soul. Yep. But really like this human thing, our souls are never detached from the true love of God, goddess mystery, mm-hmm. right? Like we're never actually detached. And so this idea that we're taught that there's something physically human that we could do that could Mm -hmm. like detach us from God's love is such a human limited perspective. You know, when you're talking about like, it's the thing is, is that when we're in our head, we can be lied to, right? We go to what's right and wrong and we move to the polarities of the mind of what we've been taught. We, we go to that loyal soldier, you know, like there's all of these things that are built in to keep us surviving. Mm -hmm. But when we move to the body, you'll find that there's something pulling you, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's some sort of tether, like this curiosity, this openness Mm -hmm. of like maybe the heart or like this sensing in the gut that's like, I don't know what this is and I'm afraid and my head is like telling me this, but my body is pulling me. Mm -hmm. The mind is one thing, right? Like the self, the ego, that's one thing, but the soul knows the Mm -hmm. way, right? Like the soul will always take you to truth. And so it's like, if we could just get the fuck out of the way of like our minds, our souls will lead us where we're trying to go. And so it's like exactly what you were saying in the sense that, like, I really do. Like when I meet Christians that are like really turned off by me and they're offended or they're, there's this part of me that just really honors that too, mm-hmm. because it's like, they really do believe what they believe, yeah. right? Yeah. Like they're so given to it. They believe so wholeheartedly. Like when I meet people that were very like invested and if they haven't like had that shift of consciousness, that awakening yeah. that starts the deconstruction and they're still curious to me, I'm like, Jesus, like, don't you think you're going to go to hell? Like, I, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> because like if they really believe that so intensely, uh-huh. You know, like, and they come to me, then I'm just like, wow, like it's, it's bravery. And so like one of the main pieces that I do in my work is try to bridge the gap and create new language, right? Mm. Like this means that, right? Like, or like the idea of uh, the masculine sits in pews, right? The masculine wants lines and the feminine wants a circle, Mm -hmm. right? The line creates this platform for one person to stand up and like have the thing to say. Whereas like the circle, everyone's at eye level and everybody has something to say, right? So it's like these different dynamics of how we're doing spirituality. It may look different. Mm -hmm. It may seem different, but it's still work, Mm -hmm. right? It's still spiritual work. That piece that drives me crazy, you know, um, I work with Stephanie Green from Wild Spirituality too. And we actually have a podcast, it's, it's kind of on hold right now called The Wild Rising. But we did a whole podcast on the the concept of like, your heart is good. 
and how much fuckery there is in the sense of being gaslit from the very beginning to not trust our bodies, to not trust our inherent goodness, like our hearts are good. It just really speaks to like the intellectual aspect of what evangelical Christianity is. It's like it's in the head, right? It's like, what do I think is right or wrong? Whereas like if we moved it down to the heart, we could actually feel it and have compassion without Mm -hmm. judgment. You know, so it's like we got to learn how to move it down. We got to learn how to get out of this high, you know, intellectual energy and move it into the body. And and the thing is, is and I, I love working with my Enneagram people. Like yeah, yeah. I, I'm very versed in the Enneagram. Like I still prefer astrology because I can get way more intense, but I use them simultaneously. <laughs> and so it's like when you get into those head types, right? Like the the one and the nine and the seven, they just have it so well made within Christianity. Like that just makes sense, right? But when you start to get to the heart triad and the gut mm-hmm. triad, there's a harder challenge there, right? Because it's like, I'm going to lead with my heart or I'm going to lead with my gut. And it's it's harder. It creates this challenge to like get with it. So I always say like, I'm basically like a supporter for me, therefore. <laughs> I was just like, about to ask you. I'm literally you like, a, I'm a four. I'm a four, but I'm a strong five wing when I'm like <laughs> internal and I got a strong three wing because I'm an entrepreneur. You know, like I got wings. I, I don't like to think that I'm just one Enneagram number. I think well, I'm all of that's them. That's the purpose, right? We have a little bit yes. of it all in us. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I mean, like the big thing is like, we're so afraid because we've been told these things forever. And I just can't decide to live my life and be in devotion to this God, goddess, mystery, spirit thing that I do believe in firmly. And like, just be told what to do. That doesn't feel authentic. And I, yes, I'm speaking for my four, like that doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel like the experience. It doesn't And again, mystic, right? Like I want the experience. I want the embodiment. But like, I just, I just can't get there. I can't get there anymore. And when I got to this place, like I realized like, I love Jesus. Mm. I, I don't know if Jesus was real or I do believe that Jesus really did walk the earth. I really do believe that like with all my heart, whether he died on a cross and rose again, I don't know. It doesn't matter. His work did what it did to revive me, right? Like it saved me. It doesn't really matter. But Mm -hmm. essentially, when I think of like being a person of service, which I am deeply a person of service to the collective, I think that I want to look the most like Jesus. You know, like Jesus, Mm -hmm. he was fierce yet gentle and he was a fucking rebel. Mm -hmm. You know, like he flipped over tables and whipped Pharisees and sat at, you know, like tables with prostitutes and tax collectors. And those were his people. And he washed the feet of those who served him or he served them. I mean, like he's literally like, if I could pick to be somebody, I think Jesus was a fucking revolutionary. You know, I think he was the like, oh, hands down. He was the ultimate rewilder of Judaism, you know? And oh my gosh, yes. That's why when people are like, oh, you're a witch, and they immediately jump to these places, I'm like, well, hold on just a second here, you know? Like, yeah. Let's talk about this, right? Let's talk about it. Yeah. So So, I've heard you now use the term 
rewild a couple of times. And every time you use it, what comes up in me is this notion of reclamation. Yeah. Of reclaiming this thing. And so when you when you said that Jesus rewild Judaism, like, yeah, J- Jesus was a Jew, but he reclaimed all these really beautiful teachings that had people in power. The men mm-hmm. in power were then exploiting those on the margins for. And so it put taking all of that and, and listening to your heart. It's no wonder you're a witch, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really and truly, you guys are like doing this podcast and like presenting it to all these Christians. You guys are witches too. So let's just call it what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I accept. <laughs> I wanted to tell my children that, but I was like, but I got to go record the podcast. I don't have another <laughs> hour <laughs> to tell them this. We're just going to go with a brief description of who Lauren is. Uh, like, oh, so many questions, which is not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. I just, they needed to go to sleep. No, oh, I get it. My own kids are like, but wait, like, don't you ride a broom? And I'm like, no, don't you like you know, like turn people into like toads. No, they're like, well, what kind of fucking witch are you? Well, of course, my kids aren't saying fuck, but you know, they're like, you know, and like, and it's so funny because like I'm actually so wholesome. You know, like trust me, I've got, I've got my Lilith. Okay, like I've got my Lilith. But, like when I'm home with my kids, like I look like Betty fucking Crocker. You know, like we do homework and all the things and like. One of my sons goes to a Christian preschool, you know, like it's so, (laughs) it's so funny. Like people have all of these conceived notions and like, I get it, right? Like there are lots of different paths of witchcraft. However, like Mm -hmm. I've been in the witchy world for like almost two years now. And I've only met like a couple of people that really were just like, ooh. And that's why you have to learn how to be in your body, right? So like when you get around certain people and you're like, oh, like that's icky. Like, what is that? Um, that's your intuition. Like, no, you know, but like when you get around someone and you just are like, I don't know what it is about that person, but she might be a witch, but she's fucking cool. Right. It's like those kinds of people where you, you're not exactly sure what it is. And that's that energy, right? That's that vibration. And so bodies are sensitive to that. The mind can lie to you. The mind can be like, nah, you know, like (laughs) my teacher taught me, like we all have an inner critic, right? Like that loyal soldier inner critic. And so I was instructed and I love it. It's one of my favorite parts of the life coaching that I do. Um, And it's naming your inner critic, right? So like my inner critic's Mm -hmm. name is Samantha, right? So like when Samantha starts talking to me about like, oh, you're not worthy or, oh, you're not this. I'm like, shut the fuck up, Samantha. You know, like, <laughs> like name, name that part, right? Like we have all these different subtypes of the personality. So let's break that down. Going back to, cause that's something my inner child of fear has been curious about because what I'm experiencing in the last six months of witchiness is more the good vibrations. Yeah. But I know there have been times in my life and I need part of this is I don't know whether it was bad vibrations. Everybody can't see me doing air quotes, <laughs> um, bad vibrations, or if there was really something not so good about the situation. I remember, and this was back in my, oh Lord, I was, uh, let's just call it witnessing about Jesus. I don't know what we're going to call it. Two by two. Hey. 
Oh, bless. Uh, but I would go into places and I would <laughs> stop. I need to go get some wine. Um, <laughs> um, so, <laughs> but I would literally walk into places and I get goosebumps, mm-hmm. you know? And so, but the state of mind, again, that was a very mind, but the state of mind I was in is that meant it was evil. Mm-hmm. Nobody really understood the feelings, so I didn't really talk about them a lot. So I interpreted my own feeling of like, I'm sensing something evil. Mm-hmm. My 42-year-old self would be really curious to go back to my 20-something self and be in that same place with a curiosity Yes, and know if those vibrations were evil or if that was a head thing. Or maybe, you know, I'm guessing there are, you know, people within every part of our culture and world, there are people who are going to have more negative vibrations and who are not good people because of the choices they make. They have the potential to be good people, but they make choices otherwise. That was really more a statement, I guess. No, I mean like, okay, right. So like when people ask me, they're like, like, what is the real thing you're trying to do? Are you, are you trying to convert Christians to witches? Like, what are you trying to do? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, first of all, I don't convince and I don't convert. Like mm-hmm. if you can get past my name, the church, witch, and then you can follow me on Instagram and then you could be in my group and then you still want more. You've passed a lot of gates of boundaries mm-hmm. that I, I set up on purpose, right? Like I don't yeah. have fucking time to convince a convert. I have no energy for that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the thing is, is what I am the most committed to, right, is this idea of emergent strategy, the third way, like the shift in the collective consciousness, right? So like, or like fractal emergence, this idea that with every person, right, every, every soul that starts to wake up, shifts us one step closer to like the turnover of what we call the 100th monkey, right? There was this experiment that was done on monkeys, I believe in Japan, where there was this, I love this female monkey, (laughs) and they were giving them uh, sweet potatoes. And this one female monkey took the sweet potato and took it to the ocean and like washed it in the ocean and there was salt on the sweet potato and it made it taste better. Mm. Well, as like the days went on, more and more monkeys started to um, wash their potatoes in the seawater and eat them. And then the craziest thing happened where they realized that when it hit the 100th monkey, every monkey on that island all of a sudden internally just had this shift and everybody was like putting sweet potatoes in the ocean. <laughs> like it was like this, collective shift of consciousness towards the thing. Mm. And so with this idea of fractal emergence or emergent strategy is like every person that we can invest in to help them move past the fear, move past the low programming, Mm. like that lower state of consciousness. And it's not to like, you know, try to like tier one person. Like I love spiral dynamics and I know it can like get this thing, which is like, where are you at? And people like judge and this and that. And it's like, ah, fuck that shit. I don't, I don't, I don't, but like for me, What it looks like is we do, we move through those stages of consciousness, right? Like we start to have these growth periods. The first side of that spiral dynamics is very human. It's very like regular mind, like psyche oriented. Mm -hmm. When you get to the second layer, that's like conscious, altered state of consciousness, right? So it's like if we can help people move along that spiral Mm -hmm. and, and take one more step towards that shift, then we will eventually as humans 
like humankind shift the consciousness. And that's like, you know, if you get into like, we can go real deep into, you know, new world, you know, 5D consciousness, age of Aquarius, which is like, we're moving into this, you know, the new world. Um, And like, even the Hopi tribe, you know, they believed in five earths. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what they believe um, looks like, you know, revelations in the Bible Mm -hmm, is essentially mm -hmm. this shift in consciousness towards the fifth wave of earth, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, we're, we're seeing things differently, experiencing differently. And so it's like, when I, when I work with people, like my main goal is to help them shift the perception and the lens of the mind just enough that they, like when I work with deconstructing people, the first stage that I put people in is giving them permission to have doubt. Mm. And I literally just leave them there for like six months. Mm. And if they want support, they got it. But literally like, it's like, you need that time to integrate doubt because you've been told all your life that like, if you doubt, you could go to hell. If you doubt, you're out of connection with God. Like if, if you doubt, then you're in danger of sin. If you're in doubt, then the devil's like a prowling lion waiting to devour yeah, you, yeah, right? So it's yeah. so fear-based mm-hmm. that it's like, it's so low level consciousness of like fear, fear, fear. But the God of the universe is love. Like it makes no sense, yeah. right? So it's really and truly like, it's allowing those steps and it's like a, it's a layer and the body actually has these different veils or these different layers we call koshas. And it's like one of the fastest ways to get in is actually through your body. Mm. So it's movement, Mm -hmm. right? Like the more that we move, then the more we get into the emotional body, then the mental body and then the soul uh, or Atman. And so it's like, we're, we were divinely made and we've just become so focused on this idea of what's right, what's wrong, you know, like, am I in the line? Am I producing enough? Uh, it's always been done this way. And that is the age of patriarchy, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is patriarchy is like, this is the square yep. and everything fits in the square. And if you don't fit in the square, then you're on the outside of the square. And therefore you're a witch, you know, therefore you're this. But what's happening right now in the collective is the divine feminine is rising and it's not going to stop rising. And the danger here is that we, you know, like in the pendulum of life, could literally just shift from the patriarchy to the matriarchy. And listen, like when women ruled, it was just as like blood, sweat and tears in a different way. But it was it was very like warlike, you know, so it's like, we both have these warlike parts of our psyche. And so it's like, we want to move. And it's going to take time to kind of like go back and forth in the pendulum. But again, it's really like moving into this sense of balance and the polarities of the feminine and the masculine energy. And that looks like Yes, we do know how to structure our day. We do need discipline. We do need boundaries. We do need to recognize time because we live in a 3D world. But we also need to learn how to trust our bodies and our intuition and our and our flow and move with the seasons and cycles of the year. Like we can meet them in the middle, right? So it's like if you can get people into their bodies and give them general practices and they feel like the benefit of being in their bodies, then it's like then they get this sense of like, oh, I could go to the next step. And I could go to the next step. And then what happens is people slowly but surely start to get free from the toxic bullshit of spiritual trauma and like get healed, Uh you know, and like actually love people and love God. And like, there is no separation, you know, there, there is no other Uh in that space. And so like, that's what I'm committed to is trying to help people just get to the place where the idea of there is no other is an idea that could actually be something they could strive towards. Mm. That makes sense. I don't yeah, know if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. It's a real, it's, I think it sounds scary. 
to mm-hmm. um, someone who is still in a place of if I let go, will that God still love me? You know, if I go explore, will that God still love me? The God of the universe believe that she, I believe she's a she, is divine. <laughs> if your rules of that God that you have grown up learning are the truth, then they're not going to disappear when you go exploring. You have to give yourself permission to be curious, permission to acknowledge that you might have gone down the wrong path. I'm not saying I have the right path or that Lauren has the right path. But when we don't allow ourselves to move forward, that feeling of being terrified that God's not speaking to you, that there's nothing happening, that you don't know that you're going in the right direction, that you're not getting anything from the Bible. I really believe it's because we're clogged up. We're clogged up in our brains and there Mm -hmm. is no connection with the body. And I know for me, a person who has generalized anxiety, all that fear did of being clogged up in my brain with all that knowledge and feeling like I was not going where only fed my anxiety, mm-hmm. only made it worse. And then it became a cycle. They became a cycle of fear of, and it was miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's this notion that we have to have a disembodied existence, that we have to control the body. And when I think of of scriptures, the scriptures always say this flesh is weak. It didn't say the flesh was bad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What it did say was that God looked at creation and saw that it was all good, but that the flesh was weak. And it's actually a good thing that the flesh is weak because that's a potent messenger. You know, Mm -hmm. in in the nursing world, Mm. our bodies are the first sort of line of defense to let us know that, hey, something's wrong. Our heart Mm. rates tick up when the body's compensating, our respirations pick up, you know? So from from a real sense, like, it's this notion that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And Mm. it's just, I feel like people who are in tune with that, doesn't matter what you call it, healer, witch, mystic, whatever, it's just this recognition that, yes, I'm fearfully, wonderfully made and that I am one with the universe and all that is around me. Mm. Yes. Thank you. More, please. <laughs> <laughs> Let the church say yes. <laughs> yes. No, that's good. So, Tommy, we've talked a lot from the female perspective. I'd love to hear a little bit of your perspective, especially as a person of color, what the word which does, what does it bring out in you? Is it something that you grew up hearing, being afraid of? Mm. So definitely, uh, I was definitely afraid of witches. I remember the one episode of Scooby-Doo that gave me nightmares when I was a kid <laughs> was like, the, the I forgot the witch movie, what it was called, but it involved a witch. And so I was like terrified of witches as a kid. <laughs> so, <laughs> getting a little insight of what I watched when I was a child. <laughs> and I wasn't supposed to be watching that actually. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. You got to watch Scooby-Doo. Like Rugrats with Eagle. I was like, oh my goodness. I was a sneaky child. Yay. (laughs) But, you know, I I just think about it, you know, so many, obviously when we think, I'm so grateful to know Becca and to kind of be in this journey with Becca. Uh, She's 
deconstructing her own whiteness in, in the society mm. that we live in. And so, like, quite frankly, probably a lot of the majority of black people at this state in life won't even listen to this podcast because of that word mm. per se. But then when I think about the ancient traditions, the African diaspora, mm. so much of our roots are like kind of these shamanic healing traditions mm-hmm. and, and these witches and something that I'm interested in, in learning more about, but it just kind of, it's this notion that it just takes me back to this roots of how we've kind of been colonized, well, not kind of, we have been colonized and indoctrinated to think um, a certain in a particular way yeah. uh, about Jesus, about God, about healing, about our capacity as humans. And so to be able to deconstruct that those things and, and sort of go back to the roots. Uh, I love that mm-hmm. when you said that. I'm really excited to be in this open space of life. And, and I feel very like we're kindred spirits here in that I'm, I'm like Marianne Williamson, that there's one truth spoken in many languages. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think where I'm at in this space of life is finding the language that I can translate it into my tribe of people, to the people that mm-hmm. I get to touch and, and listen to. And so, yeah. and to sit in that fear even with them to be like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, you know, because that's it. I'm on this journey and I don't know, you know, if, mm-hmm. if the God of the scriptures is the God of fire and brimstone and this jealous God, then so what? I die. But at least I, I died having lived fully and with curiosity and with love and with joy. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think that there's anything that I would trade for that. And it's just something that I just try to invite everybody that I come into contact into as well. Mm. It's beautiful. Mm. Mm. Tommy, I've noticed, and maybe it's just because of the spaces placed myself in, but when I am learning witchy concepts or embodiment concepts, I feel like the spaces aren't as diverse. And I would be curious to know what your thoughts on that are. If I'm completely wrong and I'm focused on my own whiteness and Lauren, feel free to jump in on that comment. I don't know. What are your all's thoughts? Well, I would say probably that the, we live in an age of technology and privilege. So (laughs) a lot of the way that we're coming into contact with these concepts is through a lens of privilege. So I don't, of course it wouldn't necessarily seem or appear diverse on the outset of it. But I think that when you truly take, this insincerity with with an authentic desire to learn, Mm -hmm. you have no choice but to get back to the roots and the roots are at the margins. Mm -hmm. The people that we've forgotten, the people who are are still living simply. Mm -hmm. I know you guys can't see it, but right now I'm wearing, it's a hoodie that I got from Guatemala. And when I do ceremony, I wear this it's kind of like a poncho. It's called a Baja sweater. Thank you. Thank you. Um, We have these conversations about cultural appropriation and all these things. But uh, for me, it's just a way of honoring the tradition, of honoring the, the wisdom and knowledge that these the Mayan culture and all these other cultures that I get to interact with has taught and learned from interacting, from taking mm-hmm. care of the earth, from mm. understanding God in the way that they understood God. Mm. And so I, I think that whenever our sphere of influence is American centric, US American centric, Mm -hmm. there is just going to be an element of privilege there that we Mm -hmm. need to be mindful for. And that I think we need to be having conversations surrounding in the same token. But 
I think that as, again, we awake to this, this collective consciousness shifts and uh, this awakening happens more, you're going to see mm-hmm. more diversity. You're going to see this is just this message, this unity is just something that's really attractive. And people, the evangelical church is continuing to cause pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, The black church in so many ways are, are causing pain for individual members. And so there's people that are looking. Mm-hmm. And I believe that energy will land and connect where it needs to land and connect. I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have a lot of, well, not a lot, but I've had more recently more conversations about being a white woman with a white face, mm-hmm. like doing these things. And I had somebody ask me like, why are the majority of the people that like you work with white women? Mm-hmm. And I had to really like sit with that. Mm-hmm. Like I really did because part of the work that I did and like, I'll come back to that. Let me, let me like skirt back really quickly. So October of 2017, I went to the liturgist um, convention in Boston and I met this woman of color there and we sat down and like, I mean, I was super fragile ego, right? Like super white fragility. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what the hell was going on. Like so many Christians that have no idea what the hell is going on. It's a whole different language. Mm -hmm. And I just remember like asking her, like, how can I embolden or empower or support? Like, what can I do? Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget what she said. She was like, if you have a platform, then don't speak for them. Mm. Give the microphone to them. Mm-hmm. And so what happened for me in that moment is that I realized what was really valuable for me is to, in fact, actually build my platform and consistently come to this place of collaboration mm-hmm. where I'm not the one with the mouthpiece, but instead I'm handing the mic over and then supporting and sending direction and affirmation and all of the like applause of like, yes, this is what we need to mm-hmm. do. So And then that's just like part of it, right? Is like that piece, that's my intention. My intention is to take what I have and and to be able to give as many platforms and and share. And that's why I built the online Facebook group that I built Mm -hmm. with all of the free trainings and and like the idea of these rewilding church circles is so that it empowers people for free of like, how can I lead a circle? How can I have these, how can I have these shifts in my home or whatever? Mm -hmm. How can I have safe spaces wherever? And so that was like a part of it. That was part of what inspired that development that I did Mm -hmm. there. But then the other piece is I had to sit with this, right? Like I really did. I was like, fuck, Mm. you know, like, I don't want to be that. Like, I want to do better. I want to do better. And when I sat with it and I was like scrolling through my friends and like looking at everybody, like really sitting with it, like owning it, I realized like so many of the people, specifically like the people that always showed up were, were women that were like in leadership in an evangelical church position. Mm. And what I realized is so many of the people that are drawn towards my energy are drawn to my energy and, and white women or white men in general that are coming into this world is like, We really need the white evangelicals to be in this world. They're the ones that need the waking up, right? Like we need to fucking wake up. And so it's like, if they have platforms, that's who I'm going for. If they've got, they got power and they've got, you know, this sense of like, people are looking at them. I'm going to go for that. Like, I'm going to go for that. I'm I'm going to try to find ways to shift these things that are going to create this beautiful residual trickle down effect. And then in my own work, like in my Uh own specific work, 
I have all of these different tiered programs to make sure I have a scholarship for a woman of color every quarter. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like we can find these ways, like we can find these more conscious ways of income and finance and commerce, what we call like biz, we call a witch economy. And so like, it's its own thing. It's called witch economy. It's really, it's really a thing. It's really a thing. Yes. And, you know, we, we do it one step at a time. We own what we can and Really and truly, like, such a large part of it is owning your fucking ego, which is, like, so much of your shadow. Mm. It's, like, you you can't even sit with colonization and all of this shit if you can't, like, look at your ego, right? Mm-hmm. It's, like, we got to get there because then what happens is we can't look – like, if we can't get into our ego and, like, look at it like a mirror mm-hmm. and look at what's going on inside – then what happens is that we get angry and then we project and it's everyone else, right? It goes to the other. Mm. You're the other. You're my enemy. You're mm. this. And it creates a division, right? Yep. So it's yep. like, it is a tricky, like it's complicated. I'm so glad I have intuition. And I'm always like, what do you think? You know, like yeah. I'm always just like, what can I do here? You know, but really and truly like my, I can't speak for every person, but like when I work in the witch world, there's so many witches of, of so many diverse paths and like brujerias and like, I just love mm. them. And, you know, like when you really start to, to get into those paths, like I haven't met a single witch that hasn't been except for like typically white pagan witches, like that aren't like excited to share their medicine, mm. to share their lineage, to be like, Girl, like this is what you need. You make you need to make like a you know like a mojo bag and put it under your mm-hmm. kid's bed, and they'll stop having you know. So like brujeria. So it's like they, I haven't met a single um, woman of color that isn't giving of like I want to share this lineage. And you know the biggest thing that I always hear is like keep the roots, right? Mm-hmm. Like keep the tradition. Like oh, like this isn't yours. Mm-hmm. Like don't colonize this shit. Keep the roots. Mm-hmm. Like where does it go back to? And so like you know another large part of which work is knowing your ancestry. Like we do genograms, like in a lot of like the witchcraft circles that I run, we do genealogy Mm -hmm. and we figure out the map of like our descendants. And then we try to go back and heal our lines, Mm -hmm. you know, four generations back. And so much of what that looks like is reclamation of your roots, reclamation of like owning the shit that your family did. Mm -hmm. And it's painful, Mm -hmm. you know, like it is, it's all shadow work. Mm -hmm. It's like, we've gotten to this place collectively where it's like, We've just like bypassed all of it for so long that we're the generation that's going to have to look in the mirror and do the work. Yeah. I'm not perfect. I am not that. I tell people all the time, don't look at me, man. I will totally fucking (laughs) fail you. But if I can just give people tools or hold space or just like be that person that's like, hey, this is what you, this is what you need to look at. Like you need to look at this piece in the mirror because I have people that do that for me mm-hmm. and it fucking hurts. Mm-hmm. Like it never gets easier, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it never gets easier. Then I'm just going to do what I can and whatever is not in my lane, I'm just going to shut the fuck up mm-hmm. and support the people that are doing it. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I don't yeah. Know. So. So I think that we need to do like five podcasts with you because I feel like we didn't even crack (laughs) the seal. And so friends, we're going to continue this in the future months. Um, But if you could tell somebody who they can feel the curiosity in their body, but their head is screaming no, 
they were standing in front of you, what would you say to them? Mm, That's a good question. I would say um, a lot of my coaching clients, I do what's called the home frequency test, right? So Mm -hmm. when you, especially for people that deal with anxiety, like I deal with anxiety too, is that in the beginning, when you first start to try to trust yourself and you've had for so long been told you can't, Mm -hmm. it can actually feel very confusing. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of like how you're like, I don't know if they're evil because like in my mind or if there's bad vibes because of this. And it's like, it takes time. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that I would say is I tend to challenge people to do like a month of intuitive listening, mm-hmm. right? So it's like for one month, if you're driving and all of a sudden you're like, I don't know why, but I just need to turn left. Like don't second guess it, turn mm-hmm. left. You might find out there was a traffic accident later and you saved yourself 20 minutes of sitting in traffic. <laughs> Or nothing might happen. Who knows? But just start trusting yourself, right? So there's like that physical aspect Mm -hmm. of like that ritual, like Mm -hmm. just doing something about it, take action. And then the other would be like what I've been taught by Danielle Dolsky is, is called the home frequency. And so the home frequency is like a meditation. And so maybe you and I can even like Mm -hmm. just record just the meditation and it could be like a 10 minute thing. Essentially what it is, is like you, you get grounded into your body. You take some deep breaths to clear the mind, clear the body. You move through like these humming sounds because when you hum, it realigns you back Mm -hmm. into the actual vibration of your body. And then the person sitting in front of you will say love, harmony, and peace. And that sets the intention. And then what happens is that the person that is doing the meditation, if the energy goes up when you hear a word, then this is a positive effect Mm -hmm. on the body. If the energy goes down, this is a like technically like a negative response in the body. And so what happens once you get into that grounded state is then the person asking the questions will ask a question like fear. And then you notice the person notices if it goes up or down, depression, sadness, joy, Mm -hmm. hope, right? Like you go through these different words and you feel the frequency of them in your Mm -hmm. body. And for some people, you know, it's going to go up or down and that can tell you a lot. But then once you get to that place where you're feeling like this good sense of like up and down, then you ask hard questions Mm -hmm. like, should I sell my house? And then you feel if it goes Mm -hmm. up or down, right? So it's like you you have to learn how to like settle into it. You have to learn how to make it a practice, Mm. right? Like it is the devotion. It is, you know, like wise mindedness. Like we're going to get into the seven fruits of the spirit, right? Like we're talking about discipline Mm -hmm. as well and growth. And so if we want to get into all of those aspects of our sense of, of ourself, really, you know, these are, these are tools to help us Mm -hmm. make wise choices. Like that's something that I would say is like, if you are standing in front of somebody and like, your mind is like, ah, fear, mm-hmm. fear. First of all, tell Samantha to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Bye, girl. Uh, right? <laughs> shut up, Samantha. <laughs> tell her to shut up first. And then like take a deep breath, right? So like inhale in through the nose for like a count of three. And then exhale, just kind of like, <sighs> and like sense it. Like, where do I feel it in my body? Right? So it's like, if you feel it in the heart, like, the heart, it doesn't lie. And the heart is like, it's this sense of like constriction. If you feel like this sense of stress in the heart, it's creating stress, mm-hmm. right? So a stress response is, it can be a fear response, mm-hmm. yep. right? But fear is not truth. 
Fear is just mm-hmm. fear, right? Now, if you feel it in your gut, like this is a gut response. This is a visceral reaction. Pay attention. Like, are you are you feeling like, oh, I need to know mm-hmm. more? Do you feel yourself physically moving towards them or do you feel yourself physically mm-hmm. moving back? Like, are you like, oh, I don't like that, right? So it's like you're kind of having this dialogue with yourself and then, you know, going along this, you know, the permission yeah. to be, yeah. right? It's like giving yourself permission to be okay with like getting it wrong, mm, first yes. of all. Yeah. Like being okay with like, ooh, I learned my lesson there. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other part of that, like permission to be is like, we live in this culture that is like such fast communication where somebody or something will happen and we feel like we have to give this immediate mm. response. One thing that's really funny in the pagan community, the witchy community is like, we still say things like, I'm going to have to meditate on that. I'm going to have to like check with my guides <laughs> on that. You know, like, we're like, I got to pray about that. It's like the same <laughs> thing. It's like, I got to like sit with that for a minute, you know? And so it's like giving yourself permission to to make this boundary that's like, that's really interesting. I'm, I'm going to mm, sit on that for a minute, yeah. right? Like you don't have to give this immediate response. Like you can sit with it. You can contemplate it. You can think about it. You don't have to just like dive in. And if you do, you could just go one toe and then pull back. You're like, there's no like right way to do this. You know, like that's what's so powerful about listening to your body that pulls you is it's going to move you in the way that you're supposed to be moving. Awesome. So Lauren, can you tell everybody how and where to find you on all this stuff? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think I, I share the most on Instagram. So Instagram is mm-hmm. the church witch. And then on Facebook, I've got a page on there, which I'm kind of like working on it. It's the church witch. And then I have this like cool Facebook group, yeah. which is like where, you know, we, we do a lot of work and, you know, to be in the group, like you, it is pretty interactive. It does require a level of like, you know, you're, you're not being convinced or converted. Um, but we have a group, it's called Rewilding Church on Facebook. And it's a really cool, eclectic little safe space. And if you're into that, you can check it out. And then my like my business, right? So I have like I have this sense mm-hmm. of service, which is Rewilding Church and the Church Witch. And then I have like an actual business called the Mystic and Mundane. And so you can check me out at the Mystic and Mundane dot com. And that's where I do life coaching and all the different astrology readings and Enneagram and all the esoteric <laughs> shit you could possibly handle. And so like my big project this fall and winter is to write, is to write my book. Awesome. Lauren, thank you so much for hanging out with Tommy and yeah. I. It's such a pleasure. Thank you for joining us on Permission to Be. I'm your host, Becca Epley. And thank you to my good friend and co-host, Tommy Allgood. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and you'll never miss an episode. If you would leave us a rating and or review, we are always looking for more and more ways to hear from our listeners. You can find the links for today's guest in the show notes located at BeccaEpley.com. Hello and welcome to Permission to Be. And I'm going to do that again because I burped in the middle of it. (laughs) (laughs) Can we put that on the bloopers? Can we please put that on the bloopers? Don't delete that. (laughs) (laughs) Take a drink of water. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be freaking hilarious. Okay.